Welcome back to the Swedish Podcast. In the last episode, we heard of the birth of three new kids into the family of Guru Hargobind, the Guru's daughter, Bibi Viro, and the two sons named Suraj Mal and Anirai. The previous episode covered the time passing very quickly, so Bibi Viro was born in 1615, Suraj Mal in 1617, and Anirai in the autumn of 1618. So this is all happening while Guru Hargobind is in his young 20s. Chapter 55 now begins describing how, in this way, a lot of time passed by. Guru Hargobind during this time was liberating countless people. And the praise of the Guru spread so widely, causing countless more people to come visit him. When the rainy monsoon season had passed this year, the beautiful autumn season shined forth. People across the subcontinent realized that the valley was approaching and began coming from all directions towards Amritsar. They would come in big groups collecting offerings for the Guru, setting off with the desire to receive the Guru's divine sight, darshan. They would bring with them rare and exquisite gifts. They would meet with other Sikhs at the festival of Diwali Namrsar. Such a gathering formed there. Within it, there were people of all sorts, from all four castes, from all four stages of life. All of them came with the desire for the Guru's darshan. Men, women, everyone came in such large groups traveling along the path towards the Guru's house. People who were kings of local areas as well as the unfortunate people. So people from all spectrums of life with all different types of desires as well. And others with no desires at all. Some were devotees with such love in their heart for the Guru. Others were Brahmanis, aware of the divine. They would come and receive the Guru's darshan those that realized its great worth, they would come and receive the Guru's darshan. Guru Hargobind would engage in his daily activities and remain unattached, like forever remaining in an ocean day and night, but still having one's clothes or body not even get a spot of water on it. Or it's like working in a cellar with a black soot everywhere, working there all day but not having any black soot on your clothes at all, forever having one's white clothing remaining clean and white. Countless powerful people who were even capable of miracles, they would look at Guru Hargobind and they were shocked, thinking how Guru Hargobind would engage himself in the rites and the actions of the world, but didn't allow happiness or pain to touch their heart. So the festival of Diwali had arrived and people in vast groups were coming to the festival. They first bathed in the Sarovar at Amritsar, then received the stunning divine side darshan of Haramandar Sahib. They would place down their offerings and bow down with great love in their heart for the destroyer of sin in the age of Galjog, Guru Hargobind. When the days of Diwali were about to begin, Guru Hargobind gracefully seated himself at the Akal Tagat, and there were countless sheets spread out in front of the Akal Tagat for the congregation to sit on. Guru Hargobind sat on a cushion there looking so beautiful. There were two Sikhs on either side of him doing Jorsai, flying a whisk on all four sides of the Guru. There were guards standing in front of the Guru there with gold staffs and Sikhs who had such love in their heart for the Guru were sitting close to the Guru. Warriors would stroll in and bow down to the lotus-like feet of the Guru. They would sit there in the court with their regal clothes with gold embedded on the handles of their weapons. All the Masans and the rich folk also strolled in. They bowed down their head in the congregation. And it was at that point that Baba Gurdutta, he came in as well, the Guru's son. 
He had so much gold jewelry he was wearing. He had some jade, emerald gems, pearls, diamonds, rubies, all over his jewelry. And it was glistening so brightly. Guru Hargobind hugged him close and sat him on his lap. It was as if the Buddha was sitting in the lap of the moon. This is a reference to how Buddha, Bodh, was referred to the sun of the moon. Or it was as if Krishna was sitting there in his court with his son, Pardumman, in his lap. These were the analogies the congregation would think of when seeing this sight. It's such a beautiful sight that they were looking at in the court. And everybody was just blown away. Baba Gurdutta had such large eyes like petals of a lotus flower. His eyes were darting from side to side, just like a baby deer. And it was at that moment there was a Khatri by the name of Rama. He was standing there and he was just taken away by his sight. He wanted to have his daughter engaged to the young Baba Gurdutta, but he couldn't say it. He was just standing there and thinking that the difference between me and Guru Hargobind is like that of an ant and an elephant. He was just, he was silent, he couldn't speak at all. He thought in his heart about the nature of Guru Hargobind though. He said, how the Guru does not desire those who have great wealth and how the Guru is bound by love and is graceful based on that. He gives great respect to the unfortunate, to the poor, not to the rich. The great, the important, Devan Chandu had his marriage proposal rejected by the Guru. They would never recognize that proposal. But the Guru instead accepted the daughter from a poor sick house and gave such respect and importance to them. So from the Guru, such a relationship could work out. They could make a poor person a king. So this is what Rama was thinking as he was just standing there with his hands clasped. Guru Hargavan looked over and saw him just standing there. and The Guru understood that he wanted to say something. So he asked him, why are you standing there? What is this desire that you have? Tell me fully. Rama then began his request saying, I desire to have my daughter engaged with your son. My daughter is six years old and I want her to serve in the Guru's house. I've understood your nature to be graceful upon the poor and I'm standing here because I just couldn't get myself to ask you. Guru Hargavan then looked over at Jetha and said to him, Jetha, go and take Rama to a proper spot, notify my mother, Mata Ganga. Whatever she thinks is best, you should go ahead and do that. Have him tell her where he's from, what clan he belongs to, so she can understand and look at everything to see if it'll be a good fit. So Jetha then went to Mata Ganga, told her everything, told her everything and said, I've come to get your opinion on this marriage proposal. Mata Ganga heard all about it and was so happy. She said, what an amazing thing you've told me about. Lakshmani has now come into our house, so let's not close the door to this. So here Mata Ganga is making a reference about Diwali and how people on Diwali open their doors so that the goddess of wealth, Lakshmi, may enter their residence. So in the same way she's saying, what a great wealth has now come into our house. Let's not say no to this marriage proposal. And it's particularly touching because Rama, well, he really has no money, so it's not really related to that. So Mata Ganga continues to Jeta saying, I, you know, you don't have any doubt about this marriage and go ahead and perform the rites and traditions required. The wise ones, she says, looks at one's lineage, their caste, but they don't look at whether they have money or not. Money comes and goes. Their village is that of Vatala, where they come from, is a great spot. Everybody knows that they are Khatris. So Jetha heard this, understood Mata Gangaji's approval and praise of the proposal. He came back 
to Guru Hargobind and told him and said, Mata Ganga has accepted the proposal. So after this, the marriage day was picked out by the astrologers, the Brahmins there, and other items and preparations began. So on the day that was picked out, the celebrations kicked off. They put out a very fine, exquisite little chair made out of sandalwood. And they had Baba Gurdjieff sit on it. They remembered the nine heavenly bodies by sprinkling out some water, a practice done at that time. And all the men were watching this joyfully. In front of the door of the residence, instruments were being played. In all the ways, celebrations were being carried out. Guru Hargobind came in, sat next to his son, and that's when they called over Rama. When he arrived, he looked around, he saw all the items for the ceremony, all the riches and splendor. In his heart, he was just the most happy of them all. All the other portions of the ceremony were performed with such elegance. They brought out all sorts of almonds and other nuts. They brought sweets, fruits, the dried dates for the ceremony, the laddus, and distributed all of these to the congregation. All the beautiful, big-breasted, and lotus-eyed women of the city, with sweet voices like nightingale birds, all got together and sang in great happiness, and the thrill of the celebration spread across all corners of the city. Guru Hargobind, after the celebrations, took his son Baba Gurditta to Harmandar Sahib to bow down. They took great amounts of prashad with them as an offering. A Sikh helped carry all this prashad into the Darbar, where they performed an ardas and then bowed down. They then performed some parkarmas. They walked around the Darbar before leaving in great joy. They then sat at the Akal Thakat, giving out their darshan, the divine sight, to the entire congregation. In the evening time, they went to, into their residence where they enjoyed some time so joyously with the family. Guru Hargobind then went to his bed while Mata Ganga took care of all the large amounts of giving and receiving for the Guru's house during the engagement time. She was just so generous in giving out so openly and vast amounts of money to all. Wherever in that area you would go to, you would hear the beautiful and great praise of the Guru. And with that, the festival of lights, Diwali began and everybody had in them such a joy in viewing all the celebrations and festivities. From all around the subcontinent, six came to Amritsar. The poet steps aside and says, how can we count all of the congregation who came? Guru Hargobind gave out saropas, robes of honor to all the six, and fulfilled all of their desires. He gave great praise to the leaders of the congregations, the Masans, and creating more Masans, sending them to other regions. Those Masans would go there to those areas, those regions, and can collect all the offerings from the Sikhs and bring that back to the Guru. How can we count all the regions where the Sikhs resided? In all the regions in the world, Sikhs were there. Even on the islands and the ocean, Sikhs resided there, and they came bringing offerings for the Guru. How can we count even the villages and the cities where the Sikhs reside? In all of them, there are houses of Sikhs established there. The Sikhs across the entire world, whenever they are in trouble or face any difficulty, right then and there, Guru Hargobind, the Resolute, comes to protect them. With Guru Hargobind's graceful glance, he had liberated millions. So many people that you would have no chance counting them. They listened to all the requests of the Sikhs so quickly, fulfilling all their desires immediately. Guru Hargobind resides everywhere. They are the omnipresent. In all space and across all time, but most especially close at hand with their beloved six. That's how chapter 55 concludes. In the next chapter, we're going to hear about the engagement of Guru Hargobind's daughter, Bibi Viro, 
and also about the birth of another son, Artalurai. So that's where we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangla Jaran Patreon page. Oh,